Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome in. It's another edition of The Early Line here on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez as we continue to push along in the world of sports and sports investing as uh, we look towards uh, the future, which is going to be bright. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be a good time. I refuse to believe anything otherwise. And thank goodness uh, for things like Oh, I don't know, the NFL and uh, and their continued push towards free agency. We actually uh, had a chance here over the last couple of days to take a look at some of these win totals now for teams. Now that some of this smoke is cleared, there are, of course, still a few Dane uh, free agents that are on the market that would be considered top 40, top 50. Uh, we'll get to one of them, including uh, somebody you guys know very well. His name is Uh, Cam Newton, Uh, some interesting turn of events there regarding quarterback uh, situations around the league. So we'll really start to dive into some of those. But one of the big headlines, of course, in the world of sports right now, and it's been a question on many people's minds uh, because of the coronavirus, uh, what's going to happen to the Olympics? And uh, Dane and I, uh, we talked about this where... It was, there were some teams, obviously some, uh, some athletes that were complaining. Uh, Canada uh, came out and said, listen, whatever's going to be is going to be, but we're not going to be sending our athletes. And even a lot of the athletes were being polled and questioned, and they're like, listen, my routine is screwed now. Like my training regimen, everything has been, everything has been a mess leading up to what would have been a July Olympics in, uh, in Tokyo. So... But the problem was, and, and this is the problem with everything, guys, is that when you're talking about billions, and with a B, billions of dollars at stake here, uh, countries are going to tend to, people are going to try to exhaust every, even the crazy ideas of continuing through with the plan. But we kind of knew this was going to happen, Dan, that there might be a situation where uh, they postpone it and maybe just not cancel it altogether. There was some fear. But it looks like at this particular point now, the, uh, the Prime Minister of Japan, of course, with uh, the Olympic Committee in tow, everybody has decided to cancel the, uh, the Olympics come July. And it does look like they are pushing for a date next year. And then, so you're looking at 2021 and then what, 2024 is the next? So there's still, so. yeah, there's still enough time in between where it's not crazy because you will have the Winter Olympics too as well. Yeah, absolutely. The Winter Olympics of 2022 will definitely happen. And you can't, like, completely throw off the whole cycle, right? Right. So you can probably go 21 and then again 24 because, I don't know, we have to look it up, Joe, but the 2024 site, they are still planning and have deadlines and construction and sponsorships and all that. Because as you know, Joe, things like the World Cup, the Olympics, they bid, you know, two, three cycles out. We already know where the 2032 games, Correct. you know, are really going down. So they can't throw off the entire cycle. But, yes, the Japanese prime minister said that the IOC president, Dick Pound, and them have agreed 100% to go ahead and push this back. It looks like it'll be a full year to 2021. And I think this is the right call, Joe, right? Not only because maybe things will be different in July, but you're not, it's not, just like the NFL draft. It won't be this event that thousands of people are going to travel to, buy tickets to, tourism, people worried about what country they may get stuck in. And for the athletes themselves, this would be prime time to finish up their training, right? And that's not happening right now. If you are a summer athlete, you're not like going to the gym with your water polo team to go, you know, train right now. So I do think it was the right call. It's the prudent decision. The economic impact will be huge. But if they can also kind of confirm that this will happen in 2021, hopefully whatever, you know, when that does happen, it's 80, 90 percent of the of the revenue that it would have been this summer. Yeah, you know, anytime you get uh, Dick Pound trending on Twitter, um, you know something Olympic-based is going to uh, is going to come down the pike there. So that was fun. But uh, the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of uh, Japan, uh, I thought it was great. His response was, "What? Well, no, it's this is the absolute right thing to do." Meanwhile, he was the one going, "We ain't canceling it. <laughs> we ain't canceling it. It's a billion dollars." Uh, but it will all 
workout. It won't happen later than the summer of 2021, they're saying. Uh, and of course, the, the Monaco Grand Prix, a lot of events around the world uh, that were scheduled to, to happen over the summer now have been uh, pushed back, certainly in Europe, like the Monaco Grand Prix. So uh, we can anticipate, yeah, more and more of these events. Uh, I do anticipate also, though, that a push towards a bit of normalcy will also happen between, obviously, uh, now and then. I do think the next a week or so as we wind down the 15 days of, uh, of quarantine here around the country and uh, in the States. I think we'll, uh, we'll have a much better idea come next week, uh, maybe the trajectory of a lot of these things. Uh, and there's a lot of, listen, there are leagues around this country, not only in this country, but around the world. Uh, when you look at soccer leagues, certainly some of the European soccer leagues, uh, the money they are losing now could bankrupt leagues, uh, could bankrupt teams, could you know, the face, that window of opportunity to, to try to get, to save, really, some teams, some leagues uh, around the world, that window of opportunity is closing fast. And listen, on the scope of things, right, uh, health matters, of course it does. But, at, you know, this too shall pass, just like polling, everything else has in the past, guys. Uh, this will not be the end of, uh, of the humans as we know it. There will be an after effect of this, though, that you also have to bear in mind to try and mitigate as best that you can. And I do think there's a small window of opportunity here over the next uh, week to 10 days where if there can be some assemblance or assurance of normalcy coming in the near future, uh, that's going to go a long way in helping the Premier League and a lot of these other clubs around the country, Dane, who this is, this is not as they're a small business, too. This is not the Yankees we're talking about. This is, uh, you know, this is a game changer over the next 10 days for a lot of these clubs. Yeah, you know, like the NBA mm -hmm. will be fine. Yes. The NFL, Major League Baseball will be fine. Will be fine. You know, and I, the way I think about it, I'm here in New York, Joe, as you know, there are a lot of things like bars and restaurants, right, that are closing down. The question is, will they be able to get back up on their feet when they lose however much business they would have done in this period of time. Exactly. You know, like I say, the NBA will be okay, but what about some of these smaller leagues or smaller teams? The English Premier League is a great example. Manchester United can sustain going dark for a month, but right. maybe some of these other small teams, like the teams we know that, like, you know, are these great stories that move up in class from the second division and finally get up, or the entire second league that are these smaller towns. Like, we, yep. you know, you have to balance this, right? It's the, on one side, it's the complete shutdown for the complete public health, right. you know, sake. And on the other side is the economic sake. And it's a very difficult decision on how to strike that balance. It really is, whether it's in the service industry, the sports world, or any other facet of human life right now. So let's give you an updated, uh, Dan. We got a, a list here of leagues and sports that okay. have so far at least said something or given an indication as far as when they plan on returning. Now, obviously, this is a very fluid situation, but if you listen to Dana White, um, he announced uh, on uh, Monday, March 16th, right? So he, and last Monday, he announced that they plan on that April 18th uh, bout that they have set uh, for UFC 249. Uh, it's Khabib is going to be obviously there against Tony Ferguson. That's going to be a pay-per-view. It was set for Brooklyn, so that ain't going to happen. But they had already applied to Vegas uh, in order to be able to have it with the athletic commission out there. So um, UFC, I have no doubt, is going to be one of those leagues that will, when they can come back, uh, even if it doesn't uh, appease the masses, uh, they'll come back and do their best as, as they can. Uh, the English Premier League has said April 30th. They have suspended play through April 30th. They'll reassess it uh, come the end of, uh, of next month. Uh, you also have NASCAR. Now, NASCAR also said last month that they basically canceled all their races through May 3rd, Dane. And they are looking for Martinsville to be that target date, which is May 8th through 9th. Uh, MLS, you know that May 10th, they have, uh, they have said, we're going to return to May 10th. Now, when they say this, obviously, it's, they're going to reassess. But I do think leading up to these days, right. they will say, well, I think they'll have a much better idea, obviously, leading up to May 10th, if 
that really does seem uh, realistic. And then the, the PGA Tour, they're planning on May 21st hitting the links. And, and of all of these, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, the big guys, even some of these leagues that we talked in, I've got to think UFC, NASCAR, and the PGA, LPGA Tour, I got to believe the first sport to do it. And whoever that first sport is, is going to get a mountain of crap because it's never going to please everybody. They are, there is going to be pushback from people who think the, the sky is falling, the world is ending one way or the other, and how dare you? Well, none of those events are gonna have fans. I'm fairly certain of that, Dane. But I do think those three probably have the best shot of getting back and giving us a sense of normalcy in the sports world before everybody else. I think that makes sense, Joe. You know, you mentioned the point, nobody wants to be first. Right. It's just like on the front end of this, nobody wanted to be last. You know, the Big East was like the last tournament to cancel and there were kids literally playing in an arena when everything else was shutting down around them. That was a bad look. And now some of these leagues are in fear of being the first one because that could be a bad look. Two things though, Joe. One, one of the consistent things you mentioned between NASCAR, MLS, the PGA Tour, those are all open air sports, okay? That's not inside of an arena, inside of a closed building, okay? So you golf, people are spread out like crazy. You know, and it's outdoors, you know, similar with MLS, right? Maybe there's more people on the actual field together, but it is open air as well. And so I do agree that those are some of the kind of uh, sports that maybe could get back a little bit earlier. You talk about UFC, though, Joe. You know, I, I, I'm going to bring my WWE in here for Ooh, a I love that. Yes. And by the way, you're the, you know, I, I didn't mention you, but you are the uh, the wrestling uh, guru here of the uh, of the of the wow. network, so you are somebody that loves it. WrestleMania happened, did it not? No, so here's what it is. WrestleMania was scheduled for April 5th right. in Tampa, okay? You know, Raymond James Stadium, 70, yep. 75,000 people, okay? What they have decided is, no, it ain't happening, but what they have, Joe, is something called the Performance Center. That's like their own training ground, okay? In Imagine Orlando, yes. Yeah. Yep. Like a practice bubble, you yep. know, or whatever. And they feel like that is a controlled environment and they're having very minimal staff. We're all being tested every day. And Joe, similar to the NFL draft, they're putting it on as a TV show. Okay. Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, those are happening. Okay. Yep. It's happening, but as a TV show with no fans. Yep. I love it. WrestleMania, which is set for uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, the fourth or the fifth. It is, in fact, happening. The storylines continue. And I bring this up because that's similar to what Dana White and the UFC is doing, okay? Right. You know, you only need those two guys, the ref, you know, and, the, and, the, and those, those uh, I guess, trainers and cut men, that sort of stuff. But if you can find an arena that can be kind of, like, closed off and only your personnel is in, that's why I mentioned the WWE. Yes. Similar to the UFC, they can kind of put it on. And I think that is the route. Dana White and the UFC is going. Yeah, they um, and it's also interesting, and and I do think, guys, that that's that's what we're looking at. We are going to be looking at those sports who have minimal fan interaction to begin with, uh, right. that are outdoors or in extreme controlled environments, like what uh, you know the WrestleMania is going to be. And it brings up an interesting point where, all right, so what is it going to take to get? The NBA back, and a, a league that has by far had more players test for the coronavirus than anything else. What is it going to take to get the NBA back on the court, back in front of the masses? And it's interesting, Dane, because that same concept, to me, holds true for an NBA like WrestleMania. In other words, you've right. got, let's say, you've got uh, campuses, you've got, you've got sure. places around this country that have been shut down. Uh, you know, being able to go in and create a controlled environment for all the teams that might be in the playoffs, right? Um, that could be an opportunity as opposed to trying to make it. In, because, listen, there are going to be some parts of this country, Dane, where teams are located that might be in the playoffs. They just can't have it because there's an outbreak. But there are a lot of places in this country, Dane, where the outbreak, uh, the outbreak is minimal. So it gives you a better shot of controlling that environment and controlling who, what, where, and how. And 
the last thing the NBA or any league needs, right, is start the playoffs, Dane, right? Get in there, and then a player or two test positive. Then you got to quarantine the whole team, and then the playoffs are shot. So it's not as simple as just get them back on the court. There's going to need to be a controlled environment aspect to this when they do come back. Yeah, I think that's true. But here's the other thing that I think is the wild card in all this, Joe. A league, the NBA, may want to get back to business on some level and have some kind of proposal on how they're going to do it. And we can get creative. I got some ideas as well that we could talk about, right? But let's say, for example, the Lakers and the Clippers, right? Or they're, they're in the playoffs, right? Right. But the governor of California is saying, nah, you cannot do this, right? At some point, I, I don't know, these leagues, just like any other businesses, they are still kind of beholden to the government at this point, mm -hmm. right? Like, won't it be municipalities, state, federal governments that are going to dictate to leagues, much like any other business, when they can open? I don't want to get into a place where, like, the Lakers or the NBA think they can go on, but, you know, the president or the governor or the mayor is like, no, we're not opening this arena. We're not risking it. So I would want to see how these leagues, the same as entertainment industry, businesses, they have to coordinate this with governments right now. I don't know that it's fully their decision. I think they're going to be dictated to on some level. It's, uh, yes, but the, at the same, the flip side of that is that there are going to be states whose governors and whose uh, municipalities say, we're good, guys. We got, you know, we got a dozen. We're good. Like, you want to come and use this? And that's why I think it's important to keep in mind that the NBA is going to have to have a controlled environment, whether one place or multiple places, because there goes home court advantage, right? Maybe the Lakers and California is not in a spot where they can go back to the Staples Center. That's fine. That's not saying that they can't go to OKC. And the, and the state of Oklahoma would be like, you know, take over this arena. It's yours. The Chesapeake favorite. You go ahead. It's all yours. A college campus where everything's been closed anyway. Put them in the dorms. You know what I mean? Use it where you can control just the NBA players because mm -hmm. you can't you can't have guys flying in from all over the place. Yeah. And then all of a sudden somebody gets it, Dane. Or somebody, and then you got a quarantine error. So that to me is also a big fear. The wild card in this is a vaccine uh, and or anything that will level the playing field there. But if you're an NBA team, um, yeah, you've got to you got to try and do exactly what UFC and WrestleMania are doing. Uh, control that environment, Dane. We got about 25 seconds. Let's do it on the other side of the break. Perfect. I'm going to put up the NBA standings and let's flesh out this idea. Perfect. I got a plan. Yep, let's do it. We'll come up with an idea of where they can go, how they can go. Is it colleges? Is it arenas? It, what states? Those kinds of things. We want our sports back. We all do. Uh, not with fans. That's fine. But certainly just the TV aspect of it alone, giving folks the opportunity to have a sense of normalcy. We'll see if we can figure something out. We'll do that coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, guys. Welcome back in here to the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. I'm Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez as we... Uh, continue on our quest to do everything we can to uh, flush out some ideas and get us uh, get us some normalcy back here where uh, Dane and I truly believe that, yes, it, it, it is coming and uh, the world will never be ending on this show with us, uh, that we look to uh, positivity and, uh, and feel that sooner rather than later, we will be able to, at the very least, get our sports back. Uh, but it's interesting, the types of sports. Uh, Dane and I talked about the first ones that are going to come back are going to be the ones, the outdoor arena sports where not a lot of fan interaction. I think the, the PGA Tour, NASCAR, Less. UFC um, are those kinds, of, uh, those kinds of sports that they will probably be back before everyone else. A, they're not really one of the big four or five, right? So people are not going to hate the PGA Tour. All right, so they're going back, a bunch of, you know, country club people. Okay, NASCAR, eh, going to be hard to argue with guys in hazmat suits in a car driving around for three hours, how they're infecting anybody. 
So those sports, I think, can withstand the initial blowback that's going to come from being back. Uh, but then when you get to things like the NBA, I do think it's a little more complicated because the last thing you need to do from the NBA, and, and we got to figure this out too, Dane, is, okay, the NBA is back, right? Health officials say, okay, you're good to go. So let's say the NBA comes back, they start the playoffs, right? Sure. Well, what happens now if at some point during the beginning of the playoffs, a player tests positive for the coronavirus? Shut it down. Are you shutting it down again? Are we isolating that player? Are we treating it like the flu? What, you know, those are things we've got. It's not just as simple as, all right, let's go back to work, get everyone in there. They have to figure some of these things out. And the last thing that you can do to me, Dane, is yep. start it up and then shut it back down. That would be, that would be just absolutely devastating, I think, to the league. So the question we're trying to come up with right now is what do you do? WrestleMania, isolation, right? Coming in our own controlled environment. I almost think that that's the way to go with the NBA. Control the environment, whether it be college campus, go to an arena or a state that doesn't have a massive outbreak. You know, how do you, I mean, how do you do it? If you're Adam Silver right now, Dane, what are you, what are you looking at as a possible return plan? So first of all, we have to remember all of this includes no fans coming in, okay? Right. Because the halfway step has to still be empty arenas because remember, the bigger threat is 20,000 people in the building together, right? That doesn't sound like social distancing to me, okay? But you put two, a group of two golfers on the 13th hole, you know, they're okay, right? So as it relates to the NBA, honestly, Joe, I think they need to look at what March Madness does, right? And March Madness has... A, an East, a South, a Midwest, and a West, or whatever it is, you have to get regional with it, even, Joe, if it means that, you know, the two's supposed to play the seven, even if there's a little bit of flex in that, okay? I think you have to figure out four, six, eight kind of regional hubs that can be this controlled environment you're talking about, right? The campus on Boise State, um, you know, Arkansas State, whatever these places are that seem to have less of an impact right now, that have an environment, an arena on a college campus, what have you, that you can have a controlled environment. Then I think you make it kind of like pods, Joe. Mm -hmm. So if you Eastern Conference, right, you got to see where are these... Where are these top eight teams? Where can be a kind of hub of the wheel that these teams can get to, not by air travel, right. but they hop on a bus. Right. They hop on a bus together. There's a kind of quarantined hotel that they can stay into only traveling to that arena yep. for the purposes of the game. And then you got to look like, you know, the Indiana Pacers right now are the fifth seed in the East, okay? Technically, they would be playing the Miami Heat in the first round. But if it makes more sense for them to play, you know, uh, Milwaukee because they're closer, right. you know, maybe you have to do that. All right. And I think that's the plan. You get them up in smaller groups in pods that are kind of regionally close, a la March Madness yep. for the 16. And you do it that way. And you identify these sites. You get two or four teams there. Okay. And you play little mini brackets, even if there's not complete fidelity to the current standings. But Joe, I think the regular season is done. You fast forward to the playoffs with these standings and identify the areas where this could potentially happen. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at some of the parts of the, uh, of the country, some of the states, guys, that have the fewest cases right now, which is certainly something um, that they're gonna have to look at. Obviously, anything in New York is out of the question. We get that. Um, you know, the top, the top three states right now are also having to be, you know, New York, Jersey, Washington, California, Michigan. Uh, you know, these are states that have the most. However, when you start going down the list that let's say 100 cases or less reported currently, and of course this is a fluid number, you're talking about places like um, Rhode Island, Maine, Iowa, New Hampshire, Delaware, New Mexico, Kansas, right. um, University of Kansas, uh, you know, Allen Field, some, something sure. that would be able to handle, you know, that kind of uh, situation. <laughs> Yeah, that would have the facilities, too. That, right. That's important, too. Yeah, absolutely. So I look at, say, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're mm -hmm. the eighth seed, right? It don't matter. If they're supposed to play the Lakers, well, I'm sorry. It ain't happening in California. Nope. Okay? It's nope. just not. You're not going to have the fans there. Nope. 
they have to do kind of the algorithm and the math yep. of distance traveled to the hubs that you're talking about and figure out what is the path of least resistance. Montana, Wyoming. I mean, we're talking about some of these places in this country, guys. That's where the targets can play and the Utah Jazz, they can find these yep. areas where it's the least amount of travel. Yep. You know, records sort of be damned yep. a little bit. And if we can kind of get a little flexibility there and build mini tournaments, I think that's it. Regional kind of tournaments that'll feed until more and more places can kind of come online and open the doors. Yep. And then, the, you know, the big question is going to be, guys, if you haven't thought about it, it what happens moving forward with somebody that tests? Now, the great news here is, and again, every day information is, is coming in. It's such a fluid thing, but it's also we're getting that much closer, right? So now we've got tests aimed that in 30, 45 minutes. Uh, can give you an answer if somebody is infected. So we've got the ability. We don't have to wait three days now. We, you know, we've, that's going to be flooding the marketplace, right? So the ability to be able to test players day before the game, day of the game, you know, give us uh, an idea of exactly who, what, where, and how. So if somebody does test positive, um, what do you do with them? Uh, are you quarantining a man? Because if you have to guarantee a two, it's up quarantine for two weeks. Well, if that's the case then you better control everything and everybody before they get there has to test negative of it. And then you have to control everything in there. If it's going to be a situation where we realize, all right, it's asymptomatic, right? No symptoms shown, not coughing any, does test positive. Well, let's remove them from the equation. All right. Even if you want to isolate them and everybody keeps going on. So there are those decisions that have to be made here, guys, but the ability to identify who hasn't and who doesn't, we're there right now. You know what I mean? That Those 45-minute tests, that's going to give us the opportunity to be able to react. How they react, that's got to be the next question answered, Dane. What do you do? I think you have to accept that on some level, whether it be because of where these games may or may not be played, the environment, or what you're talking about, there will be some compromise to competitive balance. Yes. You just have to accept that. Exactly. If you want to put this on and still not only A, make money, but B, give give the populace of America something to, you know, kind of help get through this. And I think that is a big part of it. You have to understand it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be compromised, some competitive balance. What happens if Giannis tests positive? Exactly. And he's quarantined and the Bucks are SOL. You know what I mean? But one of the things I am seeing, Joe, or we've talked about in some of these other countries, China, for example, you get on the subway, they take your temperature. You yeah. walk into an office building, they take your temperature. So these guys, whatever like hotel they're in, you got to take their temperature before they leave their rooms. Yeah, absolutely. So they're you know available to be with their teams and even travel to the arena. But you have to you know very frequent testing and the first sign of sim- the symptoms. Sorry, they're on the injured list. And what makes that? I mean, the glass half full. The way you look at it, listen, guys. What makes it that much closer to being a reality and coming back is the fact that we don't have to wait three, four days for a test. Right. Like we'll have the answers in 30, 45 minutes. And I guarantee you, between now and whenever this starts up again, there'll probably be a test that's 10 minutes. I mean, they will just perfect it, and they are working, uh, which is, you know, it, very. it's very interesting how it's amazing we all come together as a, as a country in times of distress like this. And, uh, you know, I hope we, we hold on to that and remember that we've all got each other, right? We all got each other's back. It's amazing the technological advances that we can get when everybody puts their mind focused. We went from being able to, oh, it's going to be four or five days to here, um, let's swab them, put it in a kit, boom, here's your answer, Dane, in 10 minutes. That is a big step in getting back to some normalcy, whether it be workplace uh, and certainly for these sports leagues, being able to identify somebody that might have it. And to me, like the flu, when you identify somebody who's got a flu, right, prior to this, Dane, you didn't put him out on the field, although Michael Jordan did, but those days are over. But like, you know, Major League Baseball, if a guy's got the flu, he's not playing, he's not in the starting lineup. Like, you know what I mean? So they're, no. they're going to they're gonna have to figure out what is the protocol from that point on. If you don't, if there's, you can test them and it comes down, you're not showing any symptoms, see you later. You isolate them from the rest of the team like you would usually with the flu and other things. 
Yeah, that's what I was saying. I remember a couple of years ago in the NFL, I think in Tampa and in Cleveland, potentially, although I may have the teams wrong, there was like an outbreak of MRSA. Oh, Did yes, you- yes, yeah. That was, uh, it was in Florida. Yeah, of course it was in it. It was at Tampa's <laughs> training camp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like getting off the beaches just in. Yeah, yeah. In any event, Joe, right? Yep. And what happened when a player was identified? Yep. They were isolated, you know, and so that would. Correct. Yep. Kind of- and that's a great point, Dane, too, that you brought that up because. You know, that was a situation where, I mean, that's, you know, when you're talking about staph infections and you're talking about MRSA, you, there is no cure for it. So there, there was, it's a very similar situation where you started to get outbreaks, but they didn't shut everything down. They moved campus, you know what I mean? They moved, but they didn't all of a sudden just be like, all right, guys, quarantine. Like, they didn't do that then. So it'll be interesting to see. And nothing worse than a flesh-eating bacteria, you know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, that might have been a problem, but there was some lawsuits and everything else that came along with that. But hey, it, we've had experiences and situations that we can actually look back on and go, all right, it's a new day, it's a new world. But knowing that it's there and being able to test for it and being able to react, I think that's, that's half the battle to me with getting these leagues back. Yeah, and if I was one of these guys being a, stra- a, stra- a stra- strategy mm-hmm. <laughs> for right. what I would do is right. I would look at the eight teams that are currently in yep. the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, Joe. Right, right, okay. exactly. Yep. I, would, I would literally plot them on a map, okay? Yep. And I'd be like, how can we make a group of four yep. and another group of four in the tightest circle? And yep. then somewhere within that range, in that radius, I'd find a um, less infected a college campus arena that yep. can handle it. And I'd be like, this is the site for, you know, the Eastern Conference yep. Emmys or whatever. And the teams would have to get there. And if that meant that somehow, you know, the two seed was playing the four seed, unfortunately, right away. That's correct. So it. We're yep. in tough times. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, you got to start. And, and I'm glad that we can start, Dan, at this particular point to start to think about these things because it, it should be. We should be thinking about it. It is not for those of you um, that are just like, hey, drop me in an arena, let's go, let's back to normal. That's not, that's never going to be. There's going to be a new normal, and there is a lot at risk, especially for the big boys, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, uh, you know, NASCAR, PGA, those, those tours and those tournaments, they can withstand some criticism, right? Because the reality is those are mostly controlled environments anyway. Um, and not a lot of fans are screaming, although I, if you put golf out and fans were able to buy tickets, uh, sports fans would come out of the woodwork <laughs> to go and, and go and take it in. But at the same time, those are the kinds of sports UFC doesn't care what most people think because they have a very uh, niche kind of audience anyway. But when you're talking about NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, 162 games, you're talking about lots and lots of money and fans all across the world. Um, there's more to think about than just get them back on the court. Dane. There is a process. And the first thing you have to do is figure out what is the new normal from this point moving forward, not just for the players, guys, but for the fans, because uh, you want to be back, don't you? I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. But we have to understand what are the compromises at play. And I think one of the other things you're talking about, the NBA, the NFL, these kinds of leagues, the public relations risk is larger, right? And that's where you you talk about their bigger cash cows and all that stuff. But, you know, they are leaders in this industry. And so everybody will be watching them more. Um, And then you do have the idea of what happens indoors versus happens outdoors. outdoors exactly and that's something you got to consider i mean that's absolutely something you consider so uh the good news is though like we said we are at a point i think Dane, uh where still a lot of uncertainty but every day we we learn a little bit more we have a better idea looking at the maps of this country we have a better idea of where you know some of the major outbreaks are we have an idea of some of the teams that we'd be talking about in the playoffs. And and now we've got testing kits and we've got, you know, we're that much closer, trials and things. The game changer to me in all of this, guys, is a vaccine. A vaccine comes down, Gabe, and that will be as close to going back to normal as we will ever have. So if we want to hope for something, it would be nice to hope for the next six Powerball numbers. But the next great hope would certainly be 
some sort of vaccine or some sort of, you know, one of these trials breaks through and goes, you know what, guys, we're good. We've had these outbreaks before. Vaccines came along, eradicated as they were. To me, that's the ultimate hope. Uh, but I think sports, in some form, uh, we're a little bit closer back to a, uh, a sense of normalcy than some people want you to believe. But I, I do think it's, it's close, Dane. I think it's really close. Yeah, and like you said before, for the public relations aspect, nobody really wants to be first. And that's why I said before, hopefully these local jurisdictions or states yep. will be in partnership kind of declaring that, hey, it's okay. This is the, uh, you know, yep. halfway solution. So it doesn't look like we're being insensitive here. All right, well, coming up, the end, of course, the NFL watching this very closely, the, the progress. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, guys. Welcome back in here to the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. German Area alongside Dane Martinez as we... Uh, as we take a look now, of course, in the sports landscape with the NFL, who continues to make moves, and teams continue to try and maneuver themselves, put them in the best position, of course, in order to be able to win enough games to make the playoffs this year. Uh, what will the NFL season look like? Will there be a stoppage? What, like, a lot of, still a lot of questions unanswered, however unlike a lot of these other leagues who will either be finishing up their season right about now or just starting it, the NFL still has some time to see how all everything plays out, which is great because the king is the NFL. So uh, they'll be, they don't have to make a decision right now. They can continue along this path of uh, we'll wait and see what's going on, but business as usual, and that's exactly what we're doing. And that's exactly what they're doing, Dane. And it's yeah. interesting enough, some of the... Um, uh, some of the latest uh, deals that have come out. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Maybe answer a few, well, create a few more questions than actually answer them, right? So uh, one of the big things, of course, when you look is we had known that the XFL uh, had shut down the season. They made the announcement, uh, you know, last week that, all right, guys, listen, we don't know anything about the future of the XFL. This, this, this was devastating to them not being able to finish out their league year. Uh, what we do know also with the XFL is that when they signed guys, they they signed them for two-year deals. And the reason they signed them for two-year deals is because they did not want the NFL coming in and plucking their best players out. The XFL wasn't a never looked at themselves as a minor league for the NFL. They wanted to be its own league, and whether it be coaches or players, they wanted to build stars. They know stars make a, a league. Right. So they were locking guys up for two years, and they were very specific within the clauses. Like, you're ours. Like, you know, you're going to be here for two. You're not going to run to the NFL if they come knocking. Uh, well, all that changed last week when not only did they announce the, the end of the XFL season as they know it, um, I think it was very telling when they also said players are now free to sign with the NFL. And I think that told you everything you needed to know, Dane, about the future prospects of the XFL because one of their biggest stars so far through the year just signed on with a uh, with a team in the Carolina Panthers and you know Carolina then makes a move and a deal with the Washington Redskins guys their former coach Ron Rivera um, he goes out and takes one of the Carolina Panther quarterbacks only it's not the Carolina Panther quarterback we all thought it was going to be Kyle Allen is now a Redskin. P.J. Walker is now going to be a Carolina Panther. And Cam Newton is nowhere to be found. It, very strange set of circumstances, but I do think it's very telling uh, what the XFL just allowed to have happen here about the future of the XFL. And it, it might be one of the, uh, the casualties of this pandemic. Yeah, we talked about this, Joe, that, you know, just like some restaurants and some bars, some of these second or third tier leagues or teams will not be able to get back on their feet. And we heard that the XFL would, in fact, let players sign with NFL teams if there was interest. Joe, the theme here is familiarity, okay? So let's take this one step at a time. P.J. Walker, who, by the way, in my opinion, 
was the MVP of the league, right, of the XFL. I mean, he led the league in passing yards, led the league in touchdowns with 15, was one of these dual-threat kind of quarterbacks. And quite frankly, Joe, the reason I told you I like the Houston Roughnecks to go ahead and win the XFL title, he gets signed by the Carolina Panthers. What is the consistent thread right there? Well, Matt Rule, the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers, was P.J. Walker's head coach at Temple in college. We keep on coming back to this consistency, this familiarity thread, right? So you think, oh, P.J. Walker is going to compete with Kyle Allen to be the backup to newly signed Teddy Bridgewater. Not so fast, Joe, right? You got Teddy Bridgewater and P.J. Walker. They can implement this system and are the same kind of quarterback. Mm -hmm. We all thought, you know, the odds were there, right, Joe, that Cam Newton might reunite with former head coach Ron Rivera in Washington, but that does not happen. In fact, it is Kyle Allen who gets traded to the Panthers in exchange for a fifth-round pick. So what that means, Joe, is that it looks like in the Washington football team there will not be a Cam Newton. They look like they're going to go at it with second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen as the backup, okay? And kind of that, that backup, and we will see what happens with Dwayne Haskins or if they're a quarterback-needy team next year. But it looks like that's how they're going to go yeah. at it. So you also then, Joe, mentioned Cam Newton. Right. And that's the last part of this merry-go-round. We were talking about Washington as the favorite to land Cam Newton services. Right. That is no longer the case. Right. Washington has been pushed back, is now at plus 750. Joe, the new favorite for Cam Newton in week one is two teams that are in your state. The Ooh. Miami Dolphins are the favorite now at two to one. Interesting. Jacksonville Jaguars are the second choice at plus 250. Then you get the Chargers mm -hmm. plus 350 and the Patriots at five to one. As the dominoes continue to fall, the question remains. Is there a starting chair open? Uh, the news has uh, come down that, listen, the Carolina Panthers have decided to move on from Cam Newton. Not like we all didn't know that that was an actual possibility. But it appears that uh, Cam Newton has been released uh, at this point with the Carolina Panthers coming off of the news of Kyle Allen. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera making the decision that between the two Carolina quarterbacks, Nobody knows those two better than he does, and he opted for Kyle Allen over, uh, over Cam Newton, and now Cam Newton finds himself without a team. Now, he was under contract. The interesting part about this, Dane, is that he was under contract. Right. They were hoping to find a trade partner for him, and yeah. a trade partner would have been great because, hell, they would have taken a couple of, you know, six or seven. They'd have taken anything for Cam Newton, but the problem was teams would have had to take on that remaining salary of his, I think is 18 or 19 million, somewhere along those lines. Very hard for teams to do that, Dane, when they can't, they can't get him in front of a doctor. They have no idea whether or not he is healthy, and I think that's going to be a big problem moving forward. But now, listen, teams don't have to worry about that. He is, for our purposes, he is free to sign whatever he wants, having been released by Carolina. Uh, another fluid situation continuing, but... You know, you asked the question, is there an opening spot for Cam Newton? Man, I got to tell you, I, nobody was even making an offer. And I think 18, 19 million is actually a pretty cheap price for a guy like Cam Newton. What do you think he gets on the open market, Dane, if he goes with, you know, you mentioned Jacksonville, right? I mean, what is he, what's available for him to make on the open market, assuming he is healthy? Yeah, I think you raise a lot of good questions. One, the health concerns, right? He's going to have to pass a physical, and he missed all of last year with that Achilles. So any team that wants to uh, take a chance on Cam Newton at this point, you ain't got to pay anything in trade, but you do have to, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and make sure he is, in fact, ready to return. The contract number, you know, I think may have something to do also with why teams don't want to necessarily trade for him um, or why even Ron Rivera didn't prioritize him over a Kyle Allen. And the other point you made also, Cam Newton has been doing this with sheer God-given talent. So if what you want is a backup to help a guy like Dwayne Haskins understand the system, right, and not cause drama, I think Kyle Allen is the right choice. I do slightly see it a different way from you, Joe. I do think Cam Newton still has the potential to evolve his game in the second half of his career the same way a pitcher who lost their fastball or an NBA player who can't just drive down the lane as a locomotive and dunk. We've seen Blake Griffin and LeBron James do it. Why can't 
Cam Newton. I know it's a different sport. I have a little bit more faith in that than you do. But the question really remains, Joe, what will the market look like? Mm. Teams are trying to figure it out right now. We talk about New England potentially with a starting job. Word is that the Panthers tried to trade him to the Bears, but that didn't work. They opted to go get Nick Foles and to the Chargers, but it looks like the Chargers are standing pat. So for me, the next kind of um, benchmark in the calendar, Joe, is the NFL draft. We've heard that there's going to be four or five quarterbacks taken. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody out there is going to not get what they wanted in the draft, right, and still have a need to be addressed. And I think for guys like Cam Newton, guys like Jameis Winston, they may have to wait and see how the market develops. You say it all the time, whether it's soybeans or something else, the market is a fluid thing. And after the draft, the market will be slightly different than it is now. And then maybe a chair opens up for Cam. Yeah, it's... um... It's hard to believe that we're at this point, right, with with a quarterback yeah. like Cam Newton that just got completely abused, guys, in his career. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a whole – we can do a whole nother show on the fact that, you know, how you treated uh, this guy who had phenomenal God-given ability and instead of utilizing running backs every chance you got, right. you utilized, uh, you know, a dude because he's the size of a defensive end to do your dirty work, and it probably shaved about, uh, you know, four or five years off of his uh, off of his career. But the question is, too, if I'm Cam Newton, like, what in the hell am I doing? I mean, honestly, I mean, Dan, if the writing is not on a wall for Cam now, and I get, listen, you know, he's probably going to be very motivated, especially if he's healthy. But the reality is, dude, you got a you got more money than you're going to know what to do with. You got you obviously have a lot of other interests besides football. You know, why go out there and risk it? Uh, you know. Would I be shocked if maybe the decision is Cam's retiring? No. I, you know, in many aspects, Dane, I would almost applaud it. I, I really would. I would almost applaud him saying, you know what? Good for you, dude. You paid your time. You, you gave your life. You did everything good. You made it to a Super Bowl. You know, you, you kind of changed the position. We've never seen anything like it. I mean, why in the hell go out? I mean, this is that point in the career where we always look at guys and go, why? I think we might be having the same conversation about Tom Brady next year as well but why like why cam why and here's the thing like i do believe cam if he wants to Mm -hmm. can still be a starting level quarterback in the nfl i have no doubt about that joe and all it takes is one team but i've i said this months ago joe and i i think that is a factor the analogy i'll make the, the you know is to gronk to be quite honest joe because you know Maybe more than anyone else this side of Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. Cam Newton has opportunities outside of football, right? Whether that be in the fashion industry or advertisements or what have you, Cam does have the personality that can translate to be a fashion correspondent for the E! Network or anything else he wants. The same way, Joe, that Rob Gronkowski had a ton of opportunity out there for him, those things are calling for Cam Newton. So the question, though, it's up to him, right? Does he want to put his body through it again Or does he want to look to the next phase of his life? I think it's interesting. The question, Joe, though, is when we have on FanDuel the odds for Cam Newton's new team, in the past with Phillip Rivers, with Tom Brady, there was an option for no team slash retired. That's correct. If that becomes an option for Cam as well, at least on the betting board, it sounds like you may throw a couple of shekels that way. Yeah, it's. uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's also fascinating the teams that you talked about as possible landing spots or at least uh, that's what people are, or the bookmakers are thinking here. Um, I do think it opens up some questions, and I know there was still a lot of questions about New England and, and what they were going to do about the quarterback position. I think what New England is telling us, and if you kind of read the tea leaves, what we know about Bill Belichick and company, right? The move to bring Hoyer back, I think, was a move that signaled that he's got, and, and Belichick has, confidence instead of that, you know, this is not the first time, guys, and I think we forget this. Because he got pulled in that game against the Jets, I think people forgot what the hype was around him. He was actually damn good, Dane. I know you and I were big fans of him in the preseason, um, and, he, you know, he showed all of them. Just because he got pulled in the Jet game doesn't mean that Belichick stuck a fork in him. What it means is that Brian Hoyer, and I think it also means that he looks at Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, 
and Cam Newton, right? The three big names left. I think Belichick looks at him and goes, what's the difference? Six and yep. one half. They're all average quarterbacks. So why would I invest that kind of money and time with an average quarterback when who's got a better track record of taking quarterbacks in a draft, guys, and then making them multi-trillionaires, right, in the league? You know, you know, Jimmy G, it started with Brady, you know, Hassel made more money than God. It, nobody's done a better job than New England. I think people forget that, Dane, that they are pretty good at drafting quarterbacks that nobody wanted and making them into something. So who are we to sit there and go, oh, my God, how do you not take Jameis Winston? Well, Belichick's like, what the hell's the difference? They're all the same. They're all average. Yeah, that could be the case. And you see that with the theme of Hoyer coming back familiarity, right? Similar to Case Keenum yep. in the same system to help a Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to spin it one step more forward for you, Joe. I'm looking at these markets for Cam Newton and Jameis Winston and all that. Because of kind of the movement and the supply and demand of it all, mm -hmm. I like Andy Dalton going back to Cincinnati, Joe, at this point, right? Because let's say they do draft Joe Burrow at one. Don't, just like every other team, don't they need that veteran to help them along you know, that's familiar. I don't know that there's a starting place for Andy Dalton either. We're saying there isn't for Cam, there isn't for Jameis. And if the same thing happens for Andy, why not just go back and be that bridge? He may even be the starter in week one and be able to hand the baton to a kid like Joe Burrow in week four and week 12, like we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, but I do think they all represent the same challenges. I think the upside for them all is basically... You got yourself a uh, a mediocre quarterback that has a that has some flaws, you know, and pick your poison. And right. I think that's kind of why you've seen uh, New England go. You know what? Um, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know. I'll take Hoyer. I know what I got. Right? I know what I'm getting with him. And nobody, and I repeat, nobody has done a better job, Dane, of putting quarterbacks in a position to be successful than Belichick. I'll have a strong defense. We'll go ahead and. And this is what has made Belichick the best, guys. He will go ahead and change everything he does to fit the talent of the people around him, not the other way around. Not, you guys are going to change for me. He changes for the guys that he have around him. So in about 30 seconds here, uh, would it shock you if uh, New England uh, starts the season with Stidham as their starting quarterback? It would not, and it would not also shock me if Bill Belichick's vision is for a little one-year mini-rebuild retool. I, I'm with you, Dane. I, you know what I mean? It, although it's unfathomable to think that Belichick would be that guy. Uh, the reality is, why not? Spend a year getting right, and then uh, who knows what's going to happen. But would it still go 10-6. and six. Exactly. <laughs> Much to be determined. But, of course, uh, Dane and I will be here every morning uh, for you here on the early line. Uh, on behalf of uh, Dane Martinez, I'm Joe Ranieri. Enjoy your day. Be safe. Come back and join us again here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.